The winningest team in baseball also has the most saves, and people who save the most money are winners. So start earning saves by investing in worthy bonds for only $10 each. These bonds earn a fixed 7% APY, and there's no fees, penalties, or minimum balance required, and they can be redeemed whenever you like. You can even round up everyday purchases to buy additional bonds. Go to worthybonds.com backslash save. That's worthybonds.com backslash save. And save and win. In the South, it's always college football season. And the king of college football reigns supreme all year long. Southern Sports Today proudly presents the Chuck Oliver Show. It's an inside look at everything college football. Now live from Atlanta, Georgia, it's time to talk college football with the reigning king of college football, Chuck Oliver, on Southern Sports Today. And a good, good Wednesday to you. Hello there. How's it going? Heath Klein in for Chuck today. Glad you could be hanging out with me. We have got plenty to talk about for sure between now and two hours. We will take you through everything that is going on with college football. And man, the news never stops. You know, that's that's one of those things when you're involved with a show like this one. Sometimes you'll have somebody say, college football all year? I mean, doesn't it get kind of hard to talk about it after the season? Nope. Nope. And if you're here, you know that because there's always something. There's recruiting. There's coaching moves. There's things happening all the time. This year, there's a fundamental realignment of the sport and how that's going to affect things. There's always something. So today we've got major transfer news, for example. we got a lot of things popping. But I want to start with something that came out last night, actually, out of the NFL world and what it might say about another big story Involving college football. Last night, around 10 o'clock Eastern, the Atlanta Falcons sent out a tweet saying, we have interviewed Jim Harbaugh for our head coaching job. That's the difference between the pros and the colleges is that the pros, everything is just kind of public and announced, whereas in college, it's a lot of secret squirrel stuff, trying to meet at an airport somewhere near uh, Uh, somewhere that's convenient but not near the campus to where you won't get spotted. Uh, Everything's got to be kept under wraps. Nobody was offered the job except for the person that took the job, even if everybody knows you got turned down by four people. They didn't formally get an offer. You just, you know, begged them to take it and stood outside their window with a boombox playing in your eyes and the whole bit. But you didn't really want them. You wanted this guy that you got as your fourth or fifth choice. The, the, The game's a little different in the pros. The pros, they just say, yeah. We've interviewed these guys. Here's who we put requests in to interview. It's no mystery. But the fact that Harbaugh interviewed with the Falcons last night did surprise some people. And what is interesting about it is that it does raise the question, what if Jim Harbaugh overestimated how hot his market was in the NFL? What if he overshot again? And the reason I say again is because it has happened before. Two years ago, Jim Harbaugh interviewed for the Vikings head coaching job. And by all accounts, Jim Harbaugh fully expected to be offered the Vikings head coaching job. Because as we all know, Jim Harbaugh was a successful NFL head coach. And he had had a good year that year, had made the playoff with Michigan. And apparently was ready to come back to the league. And so he went and he interviewed the Vikings and expected to get the job. And then the Vikings hired a guy named Kevin O'Connell that a lot of people weren't even all that familiar with to be their head coach. Last year was a little different. Last year, Harbaugh 
had some flirtations with the Broncos in particular, but it was kind of clear, okay, he might be interested in going back to the NFL, but it wasn't, oh, I expect to get this job. This year, this year was supposed to be a little different because this year Harbaugh had previous history and ties with the Raiders, and it's well known that Mark Davis, the owner of the Raiders, is particularly fond of people who have some sort of connection to his late father, Al. And so Al Davis apparently was a was a Jim Harbaugh fan. So the Raiders job was one that Harbaugh was believed to have a lot of connection to. The Bears job could open. That's a place he played as quarterback. Would make a lot of sense if you're trying to have somebody come into Chicago and, and build a team that knows how to win in that kind of weather there. Who better than someone who'd played in it himself? Most successful run the franchise had, their Super Bowl win, was with someone who was that former Bear player becoming head coach. There were a lot of reasons why that would make sense. Yeah, Bear's job didn't open. They got rid of coordinator, but they didn't get rid of the head coach. The Bear's job never opened in the first place. And the Raiders' job sure looks like it's going to go to the interim head coach, Antonio Pierce. So all of a sudden, two of the spots that were supposed to be, yeah, Jim could get that if he wants it. Now they're not there. Harbaugh has interviewed with the L.A. Chargers. Again, a place that would make some sense. Has played for the Chargers franchise. Would know something about how to bring along a quarterback, you would think, which would matter with them having Justin Herbert. But other than the Chargers, it was becoming harder to look around and see where the natural fit was for Harbaugh. And all of a sudden, here come the Falcons. Falcons have no historical ties with Harbaugh. Never played for the organization. Nothing about him is a natural, obvious connection to ownership. And all of a sudden, Harbaugh is interviewing with the Falcons. Is that because Harbaugh just wants to take a job this year and he doesn't really care where, just wherever he can find a job, he's ready to go? Or is it that, for example, the Chargers, as a franchise historically known for being tighter with their wallet than some places, that maybe they're not coming off the wallet the way that Harbaugh thought they would, even if they're interested in him? I just think it's fascinating that now suddenly teams he was never talked about with, suddenly he's doing an interview with a team like the Falcons. Because there are also some signs, based on reporting from yesterday, that if Harbaugh comes back, Harbaugh is a little more concerned about maybe what the future could look like than people thought before. All year we've operated under the premise, right, that Jim Harbaugh was going to get through the year, whether he won a national title or not, He was going to get through this year, and then after this year, Michigan was going to lose a lot of players to the draft, which they have, and that Jim Harbaugh would say to the NCAA and its investigations, multiple investigations, of course, of him, so long, suckers, and be out the door. Well, what if he's not? (laughs) What if you're Jim Harbaugh, and somehow, for the second time in three years, you assumed there was that place in the NFL that would be delighted to have you at your price, and you're wrong. Because according to Yahoo's Dan Wetzel, among the issues that have come up in contract discussions between Harbaugh and Michigan, language that would grant Harbaugh immunity from any termination for a finding stemming from those NCAA investigations. Now, at this point, I think we can all safely say we're not impressed with the NCAA, right? I, I don't think any among you listening to me are saying, I respect the NCAA as a body so much. Uh, they're very reliable when it comes to enforcing their rules. 
uh, surely if Harbaugh violated any rules, he will be held to account. I mean, good, good luck with that, right? But, but what if they actually cared enough about this one? Because the one thing we've seen is that the thing the NCAA reacts the worst to is coaches lying to them. It's what got Bruce Pearl pushed out at Tennessee. What Bruce Pearl lied about was minor stuff, man. Really small potatoes. But because he lied to the NCAA, Bruce Pearl got hammered. Bruce Pearl was trying to claim that a photo of something that took place at his house that he didn't recognize. And he tried to claim he didn't recognize a woman who was the wife of one of his assistant coaches. That wasn't really good decision-making on lying about that. That was stuff that was pretty easy to prove, and the NCAA hit Pearl really hard for it. Whereas if he just acknowledged, yeah, we had somebody over for a cookout that we shouldn't have, it would have been a minor offense. They don't like it when you lie to them. And that's what they claim with Harbaugh. They claim that Harbaugh was deceptive about what went on during COVID, during recruiting time, where you were not supposed to have kids on campus, that he was deceptive about that. Maybe they've got the goods, maybe they don't, but we know this is the thing they care about. So if they do well enough to convince an infractions committee they do, then given the chance, they're going to probably take a pretty big swing at old Jim. And so now, if you're Harbaugh, you got to remember, he's on the other side of 60. He hasn't come off as being in his 60s. He comes off pretty youthful, but he's on the wrong side of 60 already. The NFL, if you don't get it this year, man, however it happens, if you don't get it this year, you're probably not going to get it. Either your personality is too weird, your financial demands are too high, whatever. If it doesn't happen off a national title with you abundantly willing to go, then it's probably just not going to happen. Something about you and the NFL is just not clicking. You don't see a lot of dudes being hired for head coaching jobs from outside the league, even with league experience. You don't see a lot of dudes in their 60s getting hired to begin with. Every year that this gets added onto it, it becomes harder to believe it will happen for Harbaugh. And so I, I just look at this and I say, huh, now if he's going to do a contract, now he's worried about having immunity, you can't fire me. Now, Harbaugh's position, of course, has been the whole time, oh, I didn't do anything. And we haven't even gotten to the science dealing. This is just about the COVID stuff. If it turns out, that something can be pinned to Harbaugh that would, if Michigan wanted to, give it the option of getting out of a contract. Any contract typically would have a clause saying if the coach is found to have committed level one violations especially, that there is a punishment clause of that that could include potentially terminating the contract. Schools don't want you to get them on probation. Schools don't want you to cost them scholarships or whatever other penalties there might be along the way. The fact that Yahoo reports that that's something that they're worried about on Harbaugh's side, to the point that he's asking basically for assurances that, yeah, even if I get convicted, you can't get rid of me. That tells me there's at least some concern here. There's at least some reason to believe eh, maybe that NFL exodus isn't quite as given as we thought. Now, there's some other people who would argue maybe it's just Harbaugh trying to look out for his own interest, but it doesn't mean anything. I'm not, uh, look. Harbaugh might be named the Chargers coach by the end of the day, for all I know. There's at least one report I saw out of Chicago. I, I won't say the guy's name because he's not active in media anymore, but he is a guy who used to be active in Chicago. And he claims, oh, you know, Harbaugh to the Chargers. I, you know, it's going to happen within a day or two. I have no idea what he's basing that on. 
Uh, he's not a guy who's known for reporting. So, again, I, I wouldn't take it that seriously. I kind of feel like the people who cover the NFL obsessively from multiple organizations, plus the people who cover Michigan, plus the people who cover the Chargers, if it was a done deal, I feel like one of them would say it. But it could still get done tomorrow. Maybe the leverage of a Falcons interview was enough to just get the Chargers to say, oh, wow, there is actually somebody else talking to him. Okay, we better get off the wallet and go from there. Maybe. But, man, would it not be hilarious if it turned out somehow that he pulled the Vikings again and that he thought he had for sure an escape hatch to the NFL and it didn't happen. And suddenly Jim Harbaugh is stuck back in Ann Arbor as a champion, but a champion that might miss the entire next season or a big chunk of it facing the music that he never, ever thought he would. I don't dislike Harbaugh. I don't dislike Michigan on any kind of personal level, unlike, say, David Holloway on the other side of the board here. Uh, I, I don't. But, boy, would I find that funny. Just just to watch him squirm, just because it's been so obvious all year what the plan was. Get through the year and hit the door. And what if the door hits back? And it, increasingly, that, that Falcons interview and this Yahoo report at least tells me there's got to be some concern that the door's going to hit back. I kind of hope it does. All right, it is the Chuck Oliver Show. Heath in for Chuck today. Coming up. Transfer portal moving all the time. One place in particular right now that it's moving, and that is Tuscaloosa, Alabama. Remember, when a head coach changes for 30 days at a time where nobody else can enter the portal, the the portal is closed for anybody who did not have a coaching change within the last 30 days right now. It'll open up again after spring. But Bama had a change. So the portal is swinging in Bama right now. And the biggest possible name that they were worried about going into it apparently just did. We'll explain coming up here on the Chuck Oliver Show. Now back to the Chuck Oliver Show on Southern Sports Today. Chuck Oliver Show. Heath Klein in for Chuck today as we continue hanging out here. Glad you could be with us on a Wednesday. Coming up in a few minutes, we're going to head down to Baton Rouge. Matt Moscone is going to join us, and we'll find out from him about a couple of different things. One, there's an assistant coach hire that's uh, definitely one that raises the eyebrows a little bit. A familiar face returning. Also, if you did not see Matt's reaction to the Nick Saban news last week, uh, that is something that certainly uh, we'll discuss because... Everybody had a reaction, but we actually played Matt's reaction on the show for a reason because Matt's reaction was a little more vociferous than most. You never know when that piece of news is going to come down that gives you that big reaction. Uh, Earlier today, we got a piece of news that I don't think is a shocker. Saban's reaction was in part from shock for everybody. This one's not a shocker, but it doesn't mean that Alabama fans aren't still taking it hard. Uh, Caleb Downs, the freshman safety, is entering the transfer portal. Multiple reports uh, indicating that this morning that that is going to happen. Um, For Alabama, it is important to note being in the portal does not inherently mean he will leave. What it does mean is at minimum the auction is on. John Talty, who was on the program with Chuck earlier in the week, uh, John Talty saying that Georgia is the clear favorite to land Alabama star safety. Caleb Downs, multiple sources telling him 
424-7 Sports says that uh, Downs uh, does intend to enter the portal and that Georgia is the clear favorite to land him. But again, clear favorite doesn't mean done deal. You're talking about a player, though, 107 tackles, a forced fumble, and a couple of interceptions, freshman All-American, uh, SEC Freshman Player of the Year. This is the epitome of the kind of guy any school, anywhere, doesn't matter what your depth chart looks like, you would want to add this guy if you possibly could and not somebody that there was any indication would have been thinking about the portal without the departure of Nick Saban. But again, you're talking about losing somebody who is a legend when it comes specifically to defensive back play and development of defensive backs. Uh, When you've got a head coach with the reputation that he had for your position in particular, and then on top of that, everything else that we know about Saban, it's not shocking that somebody who wanted to play for him might decide to go back and revisit that question when you probably never interacted with Kalen DeBoer, never interacted much with anybody on his staff with Tavares Robinson having gone to Georgia. So uh, that that really does make it seem highly likely that Georgia's going to wind up scooping him up for two years. And when you look at guys like Malachi Starks that George already has, I mean, that that's secondary. If you put Downs in that secondary, that is going to be a load for anybody to deal with on a regular basis. Also for Alabama, uh, they've got a real conundrum now here. I mean, look, anytime you lose a player like Downs, that's a huge deal in and of its own right. But Bama now at this point has lost seven of its defensive backs to the transfer portal and three more to the draft. At this point, from the Alabama 2023 roster, there are only five defensive backs that are left on the roster. Not five cornerbacks, or five, five defensive backs total from the 2023 roster. Now, they did add Damani Jackson from the portal, and they've signed seven freshmen. But if you are the Tide, you are going to have to, unless you add more talent later from the portal with experience, you're going to have to get by with a lot of younger guys playing for depth than you would have ever wanted to under normal circumstances. So that, that really does. It creates a, a challenge for Kalen DeBoer and his new staff there to figure out what they want to do just in the secondary. Of course, this is still early. That transfer window is open for more than three more weeks for Alabama players to go. It is possible that you could just go in the portal, see what's out there, and return. And so now if you're Alabama – This is where the question comes up about NIL. Alabama has, for all practical purposes, had a discount rate at name, image, and likeness compared to a lot of other places because the chance to play for Saban specifically in that place, there were some guys who said, I think that's going to help me so much long-term with my earning potential I'm not going to worry as much about maximizing every nickel right now. Doesn't mean you're not caring about NIL, but maybe NIL wasn't the absolute top priority when you have a chance to be a part of what was going on at Alabama. Alabama is still a really highly regarded program with great resources and all those things, but that guy's not there anymore. And that does change the conversation. Now, For a player who is not somebody who just, I don't know, grew up dreaming of playing for the Tide, if you're just an SEC football player at this very moment, what differentiates Alabama for you from LSU or Georgia or Texas A&M or Texas or any school that's got great facilities 
at a chance for you to get high visibility and maybe play for a championship after the year if things go well. What at the moment differentiates Alabama? And the answer is nothing. Nothing at all. Kalen DeBoer might turn out to be a phenomenal head coach for them. But how many kids even knew who he was before last week? I mean, he'd never recruited in the South. They might know Washington played in the title game. They might know that. They might respect that. But that's different from knowing who this guy is, what kind of coach he is to play for, any of that stuff. And so if you're Alabama, Saban had even himself kind of been saying, hey, we got we to gotta pick it up a little bit on the NIL. We got we to gotta get some more movement there. This is the time. Maybe Downs just announces within the next couple of days and it's quick. But if it gets to the point where this is the opening for an auction, which is what it sure feels like it could be, how's Bama going to respond? And look, maybe some fans will say, I don't care if it is. If that's what they're going for, if he doesn't want to be here, hey, man, don't let the door hit you in the rear end on the way out. Maybe. But I got to believe if Alabama fans think, if we dig down deep here, if the boosters say, hey, let's, let's really make this happen, that they could make a financially competitive offer to make it worth staying if you're Downs. You at least could say, hey, we just hired the defensive coordinator. Yeah, talk to him. See, if, you know, see how you'll fit his scheme and whatnot. There's still time to maybe try and persuade. But maybe it's just as simple as Georgia's got the best hand of cards right now. You've got a team that's won two national titles in the time since Alabama won one. You've got a coach who isn't going anywhere. And, oh, yeah, by the way, Georgia's shown they're pretty good at turning out talent for the NFL, including at defensive back, too, in a way that Bama won't be able to say with the current staff anytime soon. And they've got the guy in Robinson who was your coach last year. I don't know if you can beat that hand of cards with money, but if you're Alabama, buddy, you better try. <laughs> you better try pretty hard. Uh, this this one is going to make some major waves, however it turns out. Again, George is the likeliest answer, but it's going to make major waves. The king of college football, no matter where you go, with a new Southern Sports Today app. Catch the best college football conversation in the South everywhere with the SST live stream and daily podcast. Downloaded now at the App Store and the Google Play Store. Now more of the best college football talk in the country. It's the Chuck Oliver Show. You have had nearly two decades of an absolutely blessed preordained existence. The winningest team in baseball also has the most saves, and people who save the most money are winners. So start earning saves by investing in worthy bonds for only $10 each. These bonds earn a fixed 7% APY, and there's no fees, penalties, or minimum balance required, and they can be redeemed whenever you like. You can even round up everyday purchases to buy additional bonds. Go to worthybonds.com backslash save. That's worthybonds.com backslash save. And save and win. Tonight in Arkansas, there's a mother tucking in her daughter and turning off the light. A business owner is burning the midnight oil. An at-home dinner date is plating up possibility. And it's all happening under one roof. How? The power of a conversation, like the one John from Integrity Solutions had with First Horizon Bank about his vision for a sustainable mixed-use building. Now it's not just words, it's life. First Horizon Bank, 
Let's find a way. Go to firsthorizon.com slash John. First Horizon Bank, member FDIC. And all of you are going straight to hell! Yeah! That is our next guest. A man who every day holds it down. On After Further Review, that is Matt Muscona. You can hear him on ESPN 104.5 Baton Rouge. You can hear him all around the state. You can see him, too. Matt is omnipresent in the state of Louisiana. And Matt was live on air on video stream when the word came down that Nick Saban was, in fact, retiring as coach of the Alabama Crimson Tide. And he joins us now here on the Chuck Oliver Show. Matt, how are you? Pete, I'd like to clarify that that was a metaphor for sports fans. I don't think everyone who's an Alabama fan is literally going to hell. I just mean you've lived a charmed fan existence, and now you're going to live in sports hell. But, yes, uh, I take back nothing that I said. I am ecstatic. The long crimson nightmare is over. We've waited 17 years, and no program has felt the effects more than LSU. I don't care what Auburn fans say or Tennessee fans. Nick Saban used to coach LSU. He won a championship here, and we had to sit here and watch him win six national titles at a rival in the division when he could have been here the entire time. And, oh, by the way, up until that point, the greatest team LSU ever had, the 2011 team, got robbed of a national championship because Alabama got a do-over it didn't deserve. So, yes, yes, I'm ecstatic, and everybody who is within the pulse, the purple and gold pulse, is ecstatic that Nick Saban is finally gone. Respect to an amazing coach. Respect for the greatest career ever. Gratitude for what he did at LSU. But thank God, thank God he is gone, and the long crimson nightmare is over. I'm curious on this, just from a craft standpoint. Most people obviously listening to us don't care about the craft of building a radio show. Again, this was spontaneous. You were actually in a segment with a guest when this happened. So there, as you well know, are times when those of us who do radio for a living have planned some things out. Okay, we got a little little bit of showmanship here, whatnot. Had you somewhere in the back of your mind planned for the day this happened and that this would be what you do? Or was this 100%... Off the cuff, sheer unrestrained Moscona glee. He okay. So uh, it's like when people ask announcers who are calling a championship game, "Oh, well, did you have your your final call planned? How could you? I mean, you 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 can't plan for how a game is going to end. Like, do you think Joe Buck had the Minneapolis miracle call plan? Like, he just knew Stephon Diggs was going to make. You know, Marcus Williams tackle a ghost, and then I mean, there's no way you can plan for those types of of moments. And no, I didn't have any expectation or anticipation that the the decision was coming from Nick. I mean, I'm sitting there interviewing Russ Mitchell live on air, and anyone who's seen the video, Russ is talking, and my eyes get as big as saucers, like the cartoon <laughs> with the eyes that pop out. My eyes get that big, and I just stop in mid sentence. I'm like, Russ, you gotta stop, stop. Like I'm, not, I mean, and I'm sitting here like quadruple checking, making sure that's not a burner Chris Lowe account. Like, is the is the L really a one? And there, it's a gotcha moment. And when I realized, no, that's Chris Lowe. I, he, I tried to compose myself initially, and I'm sitting there thinking, like, okay, it's a, obviously a huge moment. How are you gonna proceed with this? It's the rest of the show, obviously. But then I got to this point where I'm like, what the hell are you doing, man? React. Like, react the way that you, you feel like reacting. It's the greatest part about sports radio, man. It's, you know, it is, it's an intimate medium, talk radio is. And 
we could be real and authentic. And that that was a real authentic reaction. I lost my voice. Heath, I just got my voice back yesterday. Uh, it's a, it was very effective showmanship and glee from one of the best in the business. That's why we try and have him on periodically. Again, Matt must go to join us here on the Chuck Oliver Show. All right, so let's get into some of the specifics of what's going on there. Uh, the the whole defensive staff, basically, except for one guy, gets gets turned over. Uh, Blake Baker, the news coming in with him, uh, already kind of digested that a little bit. They go, they bring along the D-line edge coach and, and Kevin Peoples. But then the word coming down, Corey Raymond going to be returning to LSU. Boy, that one, Matt, that is a really interesting piece of information. It is because Corey was on staff, as was Blake Baker, when Brian Kelly was hired. And and I understand this, Heath, like a new coach comes in, it's his prerogative to hire his staff. But a lot of good coaches, it was like throwing the baby out with the bathwater. And Corey and Blake Baker were kind of in that number. So Blake was the linebacker's coach. He's now back as the defensive coordinator. But Corey Raymond is the guy, for those who aren't familiar, who really built LSU into DBU. I mean, there were great players here in the secondary before Corey showed up, but he was the one who really solidified that decade-long run of the Thorpe Award winners and the first-round draft picks. And he's a guy who played at LSU. And so he has a reputation not only as an elite defensive backs coach, but like the best DBs in the country want to go play for Corey. And so, you know, I think when, when Brian Kelly was hired, he brought Robert Steeples and Kerry Cooks, Kerry Cooks with him from Notre Dame. And so, you know, a lot of the previous staff was just let go, but it was um, it was really to LSU's detriment because it's pretty obvious Heath they have not recruited or played at that level in the secondary since Corey's been gone, and uh, I think the assumption is they're going to get that fixed pretty quickly with him back in the fold. So, is the takeaway from this? Hey, at least Brian Kelly is is smart enough, is willing to take his ego down a notch and not hold it against these guys that he let them go because this doesn't look good that your first thing you did when you came in was get rid of a bunch of coaches who two years later you're now bringing back does that say something positive in that Kelly at least is willing to own it and bring these guys in as opposed to other coaches to try and fix the situation or does that get back to the idea that he took a job that he didn't fully understand when he took it? He knew it had enormous potential, but maybe didn't understand what he was getting into, which is where a lot of people still wonder, is this going to work out the way both sides hope it will? So I think there's components. There's, there's elements of truth to, to both things that you just said. Um, with the benefit of hindsight, should Brian Kelly have retained Corey Raymond? Absolutely. And honestly, Heath, whenever he was hired, there were two coaches that were let go that I, I think they upgraded every position on the staff except for two. And one was defensive backs, obviously, and letting go Corey. And the other was special teams coordinator where they let go Greg McMahon, who's, who was fantastic in that role. But Kelly brought in Brian Polian, who was his guy, sort of like, you know, the, um, the, you know, the, the King's right hand. And, he coached special teams and was the recruiting coordinator. And I think what Brian Kelly has learned is that the advantage of being at LSU is the dirt. Heath. It's, it's this state. You have a, you are the only power five in a talent rich state. Nick Saban provided the blueprint 20 years ago, put a fence around the state, keep the best players home and you can win at the highest level. Brian Polian didn't have that experience. You know, last year, I give this, this example, 
You know, last year, LSU got on a plane and flew to Las Vegas to recruit Jeremiah Hughes, a three-star cornerback out of Bishop Gorman. Keith, in this state, you could throw a rock and hit five three-stars. It's just it's just different here, and that's the advantage, and they weren't into that. So when he promoted Frank Wilson to recruiting coordinator, now bringing in Bo Davis, bringing back Corey Raymond, you can see what he's doing. He's assembling a staff that's going to be able to absolutely pillage the talent in this state and parts of Texas and other parts of the South to build a roster that looks like the championship rosters that LSU's had. And the thought is you marry that talent with coaching and structure and the things that Brian Kelly will provide. They should be competing at a championship level. And I, I I think it's, um, I think it it is self-aware to be able to, to recognize maybe mistakes or shortcomings initially and to, and to change them instead of doubling down on those mistakes. Matt Moscona was for a couple more minutes here on the Chuck Oliver show. Again, you can hear him all throughout the state of Louisiana, but particularly the home base ESPN Baton Rouge there, 104.5 in the capital city. Uh, so they, they continue to add out of the portal as well. Liberty wide receiver, CJ Daniels coming there. Uh, a guy that at least on paper seems to really address a need that they had for somebody who could be an impact guy at that position. Right, so obviously LSU is losing Malik Neighbors and Brian Thomas. So you're losing two All-America caliber receivers, two guys that are going to be first-round draft picks. And Kyron Lacey returns, and they had already gotten Xavion Thomas out of the portal, who was Mississippi State's leading receiver. And so now you had C.J. Daniels, who's a big, you know, 6'2", 200-pounder, who's a 1,000-yard receiver at Liberty, who's played for four years in college. So um, they, they have – there's no shortage of talent at the receiver position, Heath. I mean, they signed five-star Shelton Sampson last year. They brought in former five-star Aaron Anderson out of the portal last year. They've still got Chris Hilton, who was a five-star when he came out of Zachary Hyde, some service. I mean, it, newsflash, LSU has you know, tall, fast, athletic guys that can run, jump, and catch the ball. Um, so C.J. Daniels, I really look as a luxury. Um, you know, if you break it down, Heath, on like wants, needs, and musts, I would have put receiver as a want cornerback is a need interior defensive line is a must so they're they're far from being finished uh on what the roster is going to look like when they tee it up and kick it off in las vegas against southern cal yeah certainly everybody's going to continue to look for talent out of the portal and lsu could compete with them for anybody that's out there i was also curious i was just looking at some of the numbers downfield completion rate Jaden daniels 68.1 percent completion rate on throws 15 or more yards downfield. The next closest in the whole conference was back 10% behind him, and then nobody else was over 50. So He was good, huh? Yeah, he, he was all right. My question is, Matt, okay, so if nobody else in the conference, even a guy like Beck, was within basically 9 or 10 points of him, that's not going to be sustainable next year with Nussmeyer or anybody, a quarterback, you would think. How does their offense change when you don't have that component that is – really not sustainable year to year with any quarterback it doesn't look like right i look i mean he they were the best offense in college football i mean they led college football in scoring and, and total and total offense i don't suspect they'll do that next year but i also don't think you have to do that to be a championship contending team this offense is still going to be very good nussmeyer has been around for four years we just talked about the receivers they have a loaded backfield and they're running four of five starters on the offensive line uh Three, uh, two, two of which will be in their fourth and fifth years, respectively. And then you have your bookend tackles that are both juniors with Campbell and Emory Jones. So that Mason Taylor is going to be a junior. I mean, Heath, the offense is going to be loaded. It's going to look different because you're not going to have the dynamic of Jaden's running ability. So that's going to change. 
But LSU is still going to be really good offensively, good enough to be a playoff team. The, the, the gigantic question clearly is your defense was horrendous. Uh, it was lit, quite literally the worst defense LSU's ever fielded, which I didn't think I would say after the 2020 season. So how much can you improve your defense year to year? I know, I know why we're going to talk offense because Daniels had the amazing season and neighbors and Thomas, but that they're going to be okay there. I, I don't suspect they'll be the best in the country again, but they'll be, they'll be fine. They'll be plenty good enough to beat anybody they play. It's just, can, can they stop people? Like can Blake Baker fix the defense quickly enough to have this team competing on a national level again? Yeah, that first game with the Trojans is going to be fascinating because you have two teams that are mirror images. The, the defense is just, for the athletes you get at those schools, the defense yes. is being as rancid as they were, just does not compute at all. So who can fix it and who can fix it quickly? And, oh, yeah, both teams also losing a Heisman quarterback off their, <laughs> off their offense. Like, it, it is uncanny how similar the storylines are going into that game. They're, they're complete parallels. I mean, it's going to be like that Spider-Man gif where everybody's pointing at each other. Like, that's kind of what, what this is going to be. So, you know, you've got Lincoln Riley and Brian Kelly both trying to have their programs take the next step. The the really interesting part about it, though, Heath, is, you know, LSU has lost its season opener now for three consecutive years. And it's one of those things where, you know, I'm sorry, for four consecutive years, they lost to Mississippi State in the COVID opener, then UCLA and Florida State the last two years. And when you lose that opener, on a national level, it leaves you really no margin for error because there was never a two-loss team that made the playoff, right? So now that there's a 12-team playoff, it will be interesting to see whichever team loses that game, how much they continue to improve throughout the season if they're able to overcome that early season loss Um, because that's something LSU hasn't been able to do for the last last four years. But, yes, I mean, the last two Heisman Trophy winners being replaced – um, two just historically bad defenses that couldn't complement their high-powered offenses, you new defensive coordinators at both spots. Yes, I mean, you have two very, very similar teams that is going to make that opener You know, on, on Labor Day weekend one of the more fascinating, if not the most fascinating, opener in college football next year. Matt Moscona does a great job. Make sure you check him out if you are anywhere in Louisiana or really anywhere. He's well worth your time. Three to six in the afternoons after further review there in the state of Louisiana, including ESPN Baton Rouge. Matt, thanks, man. Appreciate the time. Send Nick my regards. Enjoy retirement. There you go. Matt Moscone, our truest reporter on LSU today here on the Chuck Oliver Show. Coming up, a lot of you are intrigued about when something's going to happen. In fact, during the national title game, it might have been the biggest letdown of the night. I don't have an answer for you on when, but we do have some info on the college football video game. We'll explain coming up here on the Chuck Oliver Show. Now more college football talk with the king of college football. It's the Chuck Oliver Show on Southern Sports Today. Obviously, NIL wasn't wasn't a thing, and that's not how roster management works now. So like, I, I think I can say here without getting uh, getting in trouble – you know, the EA's reached out to coaches. They've reached out to a couple of national reporters. They've reached out to other people, had them sign NDAs to consult on what roster management looks like. And I've been told that, you know, the transfer portal in some capacity is going to be part of the game. 
That is the voice of Matt Brown. Matt Brown covers college sports and a lot of other things for his Extra Points newsletter, but he has been one of the most effective people when it comes to reporting on what is going on with college football video game uh, life. It's going to be EA's video game. We don't know what it's going to be called. We don't know if it's going to be EA Sports College Football, if somebody will put their name on it. It will not be NCAA College Football. We do know that much. But there have been, ever since the title game, some disappointed people. Heath Klein, by the way, and for Chuck Oliver today, uh, disappointed that the video game was not unveiled in some form during the national championship game. There had been an online report that quickly made its way around because there's a lot of interest, a lot of excitement for the return of the college football video game for the first time in a decade. Um, It made its way around that, oh, during the game at some point, there's going to be an unveiling of what the new game will look like, a trailer, an ad, something. Was it going to be on the game itself on TV? Was it going to be online, maybe a teaser to go check it out online? No one was sure exactly what, but something was supposed to happen during the game. And if you remember, if you were looking online after the game, there were people saying, hey, where where was this? I I waited. I watched the fourth quarter, even though the game was kind of getting out of reach because I thought at any moment, hey, this was going to be the break. I'm going to see the unveiling of the return of the video game. It didn't happen. And so... Rumors started making their way around, hey, maybe maybe they're not going to bring it back this year. Maybe they're too far behind. Maybe they can't get the, the legalities worked out, whatever. Uh, they say no. They say that the video game is still coming, but that there is no date that has been announced for it. There was a reporter earlier this week claiming maybe July 12th would be the date. Again, the person who handles the public presence for them, a guy named John Reesberg, uh, who is the VP of Global Marketing for EA Sports, went online and said, this is correct. We said it's coming this summer. We've not announced a specific date in response to Matt Brown's reporting, who said, yes, there there will for sure be a video game. But as you just heard him talking about in that interview with the folks at SiriusXM's College Sports Channel, they're going to try and have the transfer portal as part of this. I, look, I'm going to bring in David Holloway here because David Holloway is younger than I am and probably closer to the peak video game playing age. I am not a video game guy. I haven't been since college. I don't knock anybody who plays video games. It's just not, you know, I got a wife. I got other things going on. I'm not really sitting around playing video games too much. uh, Non-video game players don't have wives. I'm just saying people, whatever your personal story is, if your wife is cool with you playing video games, go for it. In my house, it just doesn't tend to be something where I'm like, hey, you know what I'd like to do is go, and, and play some video games right now. I just I don't think that would be absolutely forbidden or anything. I don't think it would be greeted with great enthusiasm as I took that up as a hobby. So it just, that was something that kind of stayed in the college in the early single days for me. Uh, when you play a video game, I always thought the whole point was the game itself. Like all this other stuff. I remember back when I did still play video games, I like, oh, you could press a button and, uh, you know, one of the coaches will pop up and give you a video clip of advice. And you even had coaches fighting over this. Like I remember uh, the basketball game, like Bill Self somehow was not included in the original coaches. And he like fought to get included because they thought it would help with recruiting to have video clips of the coaches. Pop- you know, he didn't want Mike Krzyzewski popping up and he's not popping up. So like, isn't it supposed to be about the game itself? Like how would you want to, Get involved in the transfer portal with this. Well, real quick there, since we only have about a minute and a half left, we got 
two kinds of players when it comes to sports video games. There's the guys who like to do the career mode and play the actual game as the player. And there's others who like to do franchise mode, which they like all the doing all the front office stuff like trades and recruiting and things like that. So that part of the game is great for people who want to do like the front office stuff part of that game. But for me personally, I'm more of a create a player kind of play the game itself mode. Well, that's what I was going to say is don't don't dudes make up their own players all the time anyway. Yeah, but, you know, there's just more people who enjoy the front office aspect of games. And this and that this enables them to like become the coach or athletic director, et cetera, and kind of tap into that part of their sports knowledge. Okay, but I mean, okay, so let's say, you know, whatever the video game equivalent is of Caleb Downs that you can successfully somehow buy him out of the transfer portal in this new video game. All right, but you could also just make up your own Caleb Downs and just play him. Like, I I don't know, call me crazy. This does not seem like something I would be putting a lot of effort in as a feature for the game. I think people want to run option offense. They want to say, hey, I took Eastern Michigan to a championship. That's what people want out of this. I don't think people want to brag about how they landed some dude out of the transfer portal. Am I nuts? No, I mean, that sounds perfectly reasonable to me. But, you know, then again, I'm I'm on the opposite side of the coin on this kind of video game strategy kind of thing. All right. Well, anyway, regardless, the good news for you is the video game's coming The bad news is you don't have an exact date, but they do promise it's coming. And apparently they're working really hard to make sure that you can stress out about NIL in the video game just like you're doing in the real world. The winningest team in baseball also has the most saves. And people who save the most money are winners. So start earning saves by investing in worthy bonds for only $10 each. These bonds earn a fixed 7% APY, and there's no fees, penalties, or minimum balance required, and they can be redeemed whenever you like. You can even round up everyday purchases to buy additional bonds. Go to worthybonds.com backslash save. That's worthybonds.com backslash save, and save and win. Tonight in Arkansas, there's a mother tucking in her daughter and turning off the light. A business owner is burning the midnight oil. An at-home dinner date is plating up possibility. And it's all happening under one roof. How? The power of a conversation. Like the one John from Integrity Solutions had with First Horizon Bank about his vision for a sustainable mixed-use building. Now it's not just words, it's life. First Horizon Bank. Let's find a way. Go to firsthorizon.com slash John. First Horizon Bank, member FDIC. Support for Extra 106.3 comes from Natural Body Spa and Skin Remedy, celebrating their 35th anniversary and offering gift cards in-store and online. You can discover Mother's Day and anniversary presents online at Natural Body Spa and Skin Remedy at naturalbody.com.